Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. If you were here on January 14th, we celebrated baptism of our Lord, and we read the beginning of this passage. And I talked then more about the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending. And I mentioned that someone added in that the Spirit probably was descending less like a gentle dove and more like a dive-bombing pigeon. And I would say that's even more true as we read further, because the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. In the original language of the scripture, it's actually the, the Spirit throws Jesus out into the wilderness, casts him out. He is forced to go where he would perhaps choose not to go. Jesus is forced to experience that which he would choose not to experience, hardship and temptation. And while I don't believe that the Holy Spirit causes bad things or wants trials and tribulations for us, I do think there are times when the Holy Spirit nudges us in directions we would choose not to go on our own, for our good or for the good of those around us. Now, in Jesus' baptism, he hears these words of deep relationship with God, that he is God's Son, the Beloved. So he hears that his identity is rooted in that love. And then the Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Now, I don't pretend to know what that means. But I do wonder if it has something to do with power and what kind of power we human beings are tempted to seek, or what kind of power we're tempted to follow. The world that Jesus was born into was a world where those who show power by force or physical strength, those who have that kind of power, win the day. At Jesus' time, the world that he enters is a world where those who have political power or even religious power they use it for their own gain, to lift some up and to hold others down. In his day, especially those who are experiencing poverty or those who come from a different ethnic background than those who have the power. So the Spirit drives Jesus away from all those ways of power into the wilderness where he is vulnerable and has very little power. He faces a lack of resources the other Gospels give a little more uh, detail to the temptation story. We hear in the other Gospels that he faces starvation. And in, in that weakened state, he faces temptation for 40 days. And he has these dangers of wild beasts out there with him, too. One scholar asked, does Jesus ever question his identity over that 40 days? Does he consistently remember that he is the Son of God, beloved? Or are there times where he wonders... Did that really happen? Did I really hear the voice? Because I'm really struggling right now. Wilderness comes up a lot in Scripture. 
and it's become a metaphor for those unsteady times in our lives when something's happened that has shaken our world or maybe nothing's happened but all of a sudden we're struggling with mental health and have deep depression or anxiety and suddenly we cannot rely on our own strength or power it's times like that that we too end up in a wilderness of sorts not of our choosing it can be times when we question our value or are filled with self-doubt times when we're tempted to forget that we too are loved and claimed by God we see in our gospel today as Jesus also goes through that wilderness time and he comes out on the other side perhaps a sign of hope that he goes with us too when we go through those times and will bring us to the other side and for Jesus, we hear that after he faces this temptation and this struggle, the angels meet him, even there in the wilderness. In our scripture, the word angel actually means messenger from God. And we too may see these messengers of God, maybe not heavenly beings, but messengers of God and the people around us who show up when we're going through our unsteady wilderness times. Now, if we go back to our scripture, all the way back in Isaiah chapter 42, there's this promise of God's servant that will come. And it says in Isaiah 42 that that servant will be the one on whom God's spirit rests. So in Jesus' baptism, we see God's spirit resting. He's this servant who has come. And Isaiah 42 goes on to say that this servant will establish justice, God's justice to the nations. And justice here isn't a sense of retribution, but justice is about a right ordering of things, right ordering of creation, of relationships. It's about God making right all that's been wrong. And so Jesus is this one on whom the Spirit rests, who's going to be the agent of God's healing and justice. But first he's thrown into the wilderness, perhaps to get rid of all these false notions of power. A couple weeks ago, I was at a training and over and over again, they kept drilling into our minds a definition of power. The definition they used was one of the most basic definitions. It's not about power that comes as force. But they said power, at its most basic definition, power is the ability to get things done. Power is the ability to get things done. And they wanted us to seek after that kind of power. They want us to seek after a power that's about getting things done on behalf of others. And that's the kind of power that Jesus uses when he starts his ministry. When he returns from the wilderness, he lives out a different kind of power than what's being shown all around him. And as we heard, he starts his ministry saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. And one scholar notes that God's kingdom isn't a place, but it's a power. It's God's power to put right all that is wrong in this world. And what we see in the whole rest of the gospel is Jesus doing just that, using power as the ability to get God's work done for God's people. The first thing he does is he calls disciples. He calls a couple disciples who actually would be enemies of each other, and he brings them together and forms them into one group that follows him. He then heals and he casts out demons. He casts out the forces that hold people captive. He teaches and he prays. Throughout his ministry, he restores people to their communities. People who have been broken and isolated, often due to things outside of their control. 
he restores them. So Jesus' whole ministry is about making the kingdom, the activity of God, come near to people. And then he brings us into that kind of ministry as well and meets us there. I had the privilege of hearing Bishop Yehael Curry. He's a bishop in Chicago. He's also the chair of our ELCA Council of Bishops, and he was one of the presenters at the training I was at about a week ago. And he shared about some work that his church had done when he was a pastor. Their church moved to a new location just outside of Chicago, and they moved to try to connect with more people. So they knew that the community that their church moved to had a lack of like access to fresh produce. So they're like, they need access to fresh produce. They knew that they needed some youth ministry. They needed some youth enhancement in their community. So they set up some youth camps. They had a produce drop once a month for their neighborhood because they knew people needed this. And they said for an entire year, no one came. For an entire year, no one came to get the produce that they knew that they needed. No one came to be a part of the youth activities that they knew would benefit their children. And so they started getting to know their neighborhood. They started meeting their neighbors one-on-one, did 250 visits, I think it was, where they got to know their neighbors. And if I'm remembering correctly, they brought a survey out with them and they identified what they thought the needs were, kind of inviting people to pick, what's your need? Like fresh produce? Do you need things for youth? Do you need something like new traffic lights? And the neighbors identified not one of those things. Those were not the things they were looking for. Their biggest need was the sewage system. They said that came up again and again as they visited with their neighbors, that the sewage system was not good. So they said in the church, whoever had been in that church previously, they had an agreement that the sewage system was open just a little bit. When it rained, the church would get about an inch of water, but the basements around them would be okay. But if that valve was closed and it rained, basements, the church would stay dry, but the basements around them would fill up with water. Now, if you think of basements filling with water, imagine your basement having that issue again and again and again, and the health concerns that comes from that, from the mold, the asthma, all that's tied into that. So the church realized that this was a huge need. They learned that decades before, a law had been made that the city didn't need to do anything with the pipes as long as they didn't disturb them. So as long as they didn't go down and disturb the pipes, they didn't need new ones, and they were way too small to handle that neighborhood where it was now. So the church formed a group along with their neighbors. They formed a group outside of the church to advocate to change that law, and they did. They changed the law, and they were able to get new sewage pipes for their neighbors so that they no longer had this issue of water flooding their basement. That was not at all on the pastor or the church's radar. When they moved into that neighborhood, they weren't thinking, we're going to build a new sewage system. That was not what they were excited about doing. But that's where the ministry of Jesus led them, the kingdom of God coming near. That's the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, the ability to get things done on behalf of others. And after they engaged in that ministry, neighbors started using the produce drop. They started coming to the the ministry things for children. They started being drawn to worship because the church had cared for them, because the church had worked to set things right, The church had worked to help God's kingdom be brought near. I wonder how often we decide what we think people need without actually listening to their needs. As we look around our own communities where we live, 
What do our neighbors need right now? What wilderness or unsteady times are those around us going through? We'll never know unless we come near and listen, unless we keep an openness of ears and mind and heart to listen for our neighbors and to listen for Jesus. We may discover the Holy Spirit nudging us in directions we might not choose on our own. They might be exactly what we need. Jesus helping us and this world experience that God is truly near. Amen.